Sometimes these podcast interviews stir up old memories. And one particular story I don't often tell was that I was the director of quality for a startup optical networking company, and ultimately, I was let go. And upon reflection, there were a series of mistakes that I made along the way for which I have since learned. But what was missing for me was the support to guide me from being a manager to ultimately a leader. And so fast forward to my interview with Dave Tanucci, and he sincerely left a lasting impact with me as a great leader. We reconnected, we had this interview, and he too shares his story about being a manager and the journey to becoming a leader. Let's listen now, but please listen to the entire interview. It is so full of insights and inspiration. It was almost 10 years later after being that technical expert that I was given my first opportunity to lead and manage an organization. And I'd like to say that that was a wonderful success, but it wasn't. It really was an opportunity for me to fail and to learn from it. So my first opportunity was managing a team of 45 people at a small company here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where there was on my own part, a misunderstanding of what leadership was. I confused management and authority with true leadership. And fortunately for me, I had a follow-up opportunity again to move into a role where I was then mentored properly and I had great examples of leaders who helped me then shape my leadership style. And that happened three or four years later when I moved to Jividan. And it's at that point in time when I really started to observe and watch leaders and see how leadership was different from management. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I want to thank you again for joining me on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where I get to speak to amazing leaders day in and day out and share their insights with you. If you like this episode, please subscribe and share with others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I'd also like to make you this offer the CEO's compass helping you to get back on track, my book and my approach to elevating you and your team. For more information about my consulting services or the book, contact me at dropinceo.com and let's start a conversation. And now I am so honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Dave Tanucci. Dave is a corporate executive that has a unique journey through multiple industries with opportunities to work globally that have enabled him to incorporate these experiences and build his personal leadership style. And as a technical leader, he has managed multinational teams and regulatory affairs, toxicology and product safety. And Dave describes himself as a servant leader and mentor 
focusing his efforts to motivate, enable, and develop teams to exceed their personal expectations and deliver impactful business results. He has worked with senior government officials, academics, C-suite executives, and trade association leaders to make meaningful improvements to the global consumer products market. And because I know Dave and we've had a previous relationship in the business, I am grateful to welcome him onto the show. Thank you, Deb. It's, it's really a pleasure to be with you here today on your show. And then it's good to see you again. I did enjoy working with you. I have some very fond memories. I hope today that we're able to have a discussion that some of your viewers really find meaningful and find value in this. Thank you, Dave. And absolutely, when we reconnected, and again, I remember that we had worked together on several strategic projects. And yes, we would roll up our sleeves and figure out how best to serve the business. But I distinctly remember that you also said, well, how can we engage the people? What do we need to do to serve the people? And so it's that lasting impact that you left with me that brings us today and why we're going to bring your personal story, your business journey, and your leadership style that impacts so many now. So if you could share with our listeners, I'd love for you to share your story. Thanks. Yeah, I started out, I'm a toxicologist by training. So started out in the technical side, very much so, and then moved into regulatory affairs and have always been in this area. So I have almost 30 years in industry in the regulatory product safety areas, but working for a number of different companies. I've worked for Colgate-Palmolive, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Givadon on the flavor side, and now Tate and Lyle in the food ingredient side. And this has given me an opportunity to really see a number of different businesses and interact with different corporate styles, which has really helped shape my leadership journey as well as my final leadership style. So that's amazing. So I think one of the things that you talk about is that we start out as a technical leader, but over time, as we model, see different cultures, we start coming into our own. And I'm curious about, though, where was it in your business journey where you started making that transition from being that technical leader, you're highly talented, you're highly educated, to then seeing the greater calling was how you elevated people versus the specific technical problem. When did that change happen for you? It was really for me in my later 30s. I didn't start my professional career until I was 30. So it was almost 10 years later after being that technical expert that I was given my first opportunity to lead and manage an organization. And I'd like to say that that was a wonderful success, but it wasn't. It really was an opportunity for me to fail and to learn from it. So my first opportunity was managing a team of 45 people at a small company here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where there was, on my own part, a misunderstanding of what leadership was. I confused management and authority with true leadership. And fortunately for me, I had a follow-up opportunity again to move into a role where I was then mentored properly and I had great examples of leaders who helped me then shape my leadership style. And that happened three or four years later when I moved to Givadon. And it's at that point in time when I really started to observe and watch leaders and see how leadership was different from management. And that was how I started my 
journey to where I am today. You know, you bring up such a great point. And this is one of the things that I talk about in my book that's coming out, The CEO's Compass. So often a leader comes in with great foundation. They've got great technical skills, but sometimes they're a little bit off course. And in your situation, you talk about not having the mentorship prior to show you what leadership is versus management. And I talk about this is a critical lesson that leaders bring people into the organization. You invest in getting the right talent, but then we just leave them there. We drop them off at the doorstep and we don't provide them the coaching and mentoring. So what was it for you that started making that transition? What were some of the things that you realized, oh, this is what I should be doing as a leader? And how did they mentor you? Because I think this is critical. Leaders can learn from you. What did they do with you? How did they treat you? What are the questions they ask you to start developing being a leader versus simply a manager? Well, before you can look at what did the mentors do for me, I think people have to take a good inward look at themselves and say, why did that last experience not go as well as I thought it should go? It was an opportunity for me to reflect back and say, do I want to change? Am I willing to change? Am I willing to humble myself and learn from my experiences so that a mentor can actually work with me? So I think that's the first thing that has to happen. And then, to be fair, you have to be in a position where there are mentors around you. And I was quite fortunate to work at Jividan, where there were some senior leaders who were willing to take the time and energy and invest in me. And that's something that I learned that I needed to do for the next generation of people behind me. So your question is, what do you look for in a mentor I think it's someone who, one, you respect and you appreciate how they treat other people and then approach them to see if they're willing and able to spend the time to transfer that learning and that experience to you. And that's how I started. And that's how I started to find my first mentors. But you do need to be willing to learn and humble enough to admit you don't know it all. You know, you bring up so many great points in there. And I feel like you're reading the book that I'm writing right now. One can always blame I'm not in the right environment. I don't have a mentor. I don't have anybody to model the right behavior in order to be more successful. And therefore, I've lost my confidence and I'm stuck. But you had a powerful message. It started with your own personal accountability. It starts with me. I have to be in the right mindset. I have to be ready to receive advice. And so that doesn't come overnight. You can be 25, you can be 35, you have to be ready to receive, but also be in a position to fortunately have people to bring you along. So I'm thrilled for you. You are so lucky because my story is often I didn't have a mentor and I would wonder, maybe I didn't know what a mentor could do for me. Maybe I didn't realize I needed one. But if you're at the point where you think you need one, you got to find the support system and you've had the good fortune of having great leadership that preceded you. Absolutely. And I think that's the difference. Many people rise in a company because they're great managers. And people can run companies successfully because they're great managers. They have a finance sense. They understand the customer. They understand operations, pricing, the markets. And they can manage well. But companies that truly leave a legacy are those companies that are led well. 
And that's an intentional act. The companies have to be willing to invest at every level, including their senior leaders, to hire people that are willing to be true leaders and mentors. And unfortunately, you don't see that everywhere. And it has been a challenge. You know, I have another follow-up question to that because so often I've seen senior leaders often are groomed by the larger corporations. But sometimes that doesn't transcend down to the individual. So again, absolutely, we have to create a succession plan at the highest level so that we can sustain the business. But so often I see it fall short that, well, then we only look at high performers. We send the high performers to additional training. Then you have your steady eddies that heads down, they do the work, and then you have your poor performers that become an expense. I so wish that everybody would have an opportunity to receive great mentorship and potentially become a high performer. So <laughs> that's my platform. But, you know, let's fast forward to you. So you've evolved your leadership. You've had the good fortune of having people that have mentored you to build you up and also to be the leader you are now. But I'm, I'm curious about a situation where maybe you have dropped into an organization. You had to assess the landscape. Maybe they were going through some challenges. And what did you do to get them through the transformation and build an organization that's performing to its highest potential? Well, it's actually very interesting the way you phrased all of that. You used the word you maybe seven or eight times in the past talking about what did I do? What did Dave do? And my experience, and I'm going to explain this in depth a little bit, is the first thing that I learned when I entered this experience is it's not about you. I had the opportunity to go to Europe to work with a team that was not being led well or even managed well. And there were a lot of complaints by the business about this organization. They didn't seem to be getting the job done. They were all going off in different directions. And there's a group of 25 plus people. So my boss wanted me to go to Europe and help them identify a permanent leader for that organization train the leader, and then transform that small team into a high-performance team. So it was quite interesting because you hear a lot, this was a team, I go to Europe, I, I land, I don't know anyone in Europe, I don't know any of the team members. So I made a decision that I was going to go there and for three months do nothing other than learn about who these people actually are to the point of, going out to dinner with them, going to their homes, meeting their families, and understanding what made them tick, and then understand from their perspective what wasn't working in the organization. And it was quite interesting that you would hear from the outside people of the organization what they thought was wrong, and then the internal people had their own perspective as to what was wrong, and they were quite different. So actually, for me, my style was trying to understand what was driving the individuals, what was important to them, and how I could come alongside them and help them achieve what both the company and the individuals wanted to achieve. So that's very, very powerful. And that is so aligned. That's why I brought you on the show with the drop in CEO brand. When I talk about the leadership style that's so similar to you, it's being able to drop into a situation, 
assess the landscape before actually making judgment and then seeing where I can not only fix the business problem, because that was the urgency, but then also elevate the people for a lasting impact. So I'm curious if we could go a little bit deeper into that after you spent your three months and evaluating what was the landscape, who were these people, and how could you elevate them? What were some of the learnings or what were they able to accomplish under your leadership? Actually, they were an incredibly talented group of individuals who really knew what they were doing. Technically, they were far better at understanding the regulatory environment in Europe than I ever hoped to understand even to this day. What they were missing was a continuity and a relevance to the business. The management that was there before me never helped anyone on the team understand why their job was important and relevant to the business. And likewise, no one ever went to the business to help the business, the commercial teams understand what regulatory could do for the organization overall. It was a complete disconnect. They didn't even understand roles and responsibilities correctly. So I really helped bring the groups together to help them understand their differences and their needs so that they could all achieve something greater together. You know, you bring up such an important point, and that's really about, you know, the purpose and the why and the individual alignment to the larger efforts. So often we'll have a kickoff. Here's our new vision. Here's our 2025 strategy. They put up posters. You attend a PowerPoint. Your leader gives you materials. And then we put these characteristics and qualities in your performance review and expect that people are aligned to the vision, mission, or purpose of a company. But we just assume and we never verify. And you verified, you took the time to verify that they understood it and what was their role. Because this is what I talk about is that unless you get them to think about where they fit into and can contribute to the bigger picture, you only get a transaction. You don't have people that come with their mind and achieve their fullest potential. I agree with you completely. They really, you need to make sure they understand and verify and validate that they're on board. But more than that, I think you have to live it out for them in front of them directly. And I was given this opportunity where I was living in Zurich and I had offices in five other major cities throughout Europe, wonderful places to visit. And the time that I was in Europe, I spent less than 50% of my time in Zurich because it was more important for me to be with the teams on a regular basis so I could model for them the behaviors I wanted them to show, to have. I would go with them to visit internal customers and the commercial teams. I would go with them to visit trade associations and I would go with them to government meetings not because I thought they were not doing a good job or they didn't understand the technical issues, but that I could serve as a role model for them to demonstrate my style so that it becomes part of what they do. Because I knew at some point in time I was going to go home. So I had to spend the time to model for them the behaviors firsthand. So Fast forward. So you've spent almost a year in Europe. Your time is coming to an end. 
by all that effort, 50% of your time being with them and supporting them, what changed? What changed in the individuals? What was the collective impact of that team once you left? What was different now? They were a team. And not only that, they were a team that was engaged in the business. They were a part of the business. They understood the business goals, the objectives, the deficiencies, and they were able to align themselves more appropriately to those goals and objectives. But more than that, they came together as a team, meaning they would support each other, they would defend each other, they had each other's backs, and they knew that I and the manager that I had come in after me was there to support them, not to be the person who's going to constantly criticize or pick on them and only represent the business, but I was there to be their mediator and defender on behalf of the organization to the business. Your leadership style is amazing. And, you know, I want to take this in another direction. First of all, thank you for that, because there are people out there that I'm sure are grateful for the time that they spent with you and are hopefully realizing tremendous success. But let's not take your word for it. I would love to move into somebody who has had a relationship with you. And one of the testimonials that somebody speaks about, and this is Eduardo. David is a motivating leader that cares for his team. He knows every individual is authentic. He is always available, open to find creative solutions when assessing the development of products, improving services, and serving the customers. He has the great ability for risk assessment, and working with Dave has made me grow by empowering me with and the team to reorganize and the structure and become closer to our customers. So this is somebody who has worked with you. Tell us a little bit about that relationship and how this person maybe grew or developed with your leadership. It's interesting you bring up Eduardo. He is a unique case. So I'm glad you brought Eduardo up. Eduardo came into regulatory as Givadon after being a flavorist for a significant period of time. And if anyone understands the flavor and fragrance business, if you're a perfumer or a fragrance expert or a flavorist, you are at the top of your game. You are the diamonds of the company. And he wanted to come into regulatory because he was very interested in it. And I had a number of people inside the regulatory organization and then senior people outside the organization who were really concerned about him moving into the team at a senior level. He came into the organization to eventually lead the European team. So I chose Eduardo not because of his technical experience. He had some regulatory experience, but he was already demonstrating and modeling the leadership behaviors that I knew that team needed. They didn't need a technical expert to come in because, as I said earlier, they were technical experts. They needed someone who could come in and do the things for them that I had done previously and be that kind of person. So Eduardo is a special story because he came in cold to that job, or fairly cold, you would think. But because of his personality, because of his unique skill set and character, he has been incredibly successful in that role. So the challenge for leaders is 
we do want to promote technical leaders because they have been instrumental in innovation and servicing our customers and partnering with the commercial team. But at the same time, we have to give them the support they need to develop the essential skills, like you say, supporting people, not just being reported to, et cetera. I think there's so much in what you say to recognize leadership styles versus just elevating the technical experts. Give the technical experts the opportunity to develop the leadership styles, but don't forget the people that are leaders already. They may be in front of you and they need to be brought forward as well. I do want to make one other comment. It's not as if the regulatory team didn't have other people who could have stepped into that role. Interestingly enough, other people actually had told me they didn't want the role. They had seen the job and they didn't want either the responsibility or the amount of time and effort or work it was would be involved. And they trusted me enough and I trusted them that we had that honest conversation. And that's how Eduardo was given that opportunity. And he has done an outstanding job ever since he took that role. So. Let's move in another direction. I, I love these stories here. So when we think about you're pretty far along in your career, you have a lot of experience. If you had to give any advice to, I don't know, somebody that's maybe replaced you or somebody who is coming up and is going to take on a senior leader role, they're going to be the CEO, they're going to be the VP or director. When you think about your leadership style, what advice would you give them so that they can be best positioned for that role to lead people? I'm curious because I think they too, you think when they become a senior leader or a CEO, they naturally have the skills. But if you had to advise somebody what would it be in order to best serve the business and serve the people? It's interesting. I'm, I'm going to make a comment and, and then I'll back it up or explain it. I would tell people it's not about you. In your career, I had the pleasure of working for a wonderful mentor when I was at Colgate Pomalov and explained to me that in the first half of your career, you have to be selfish to some extent because you are learning technical things. You are learning regulatory things or business things, how to be a salesman. So you're, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. It's about your development. But when you want to become a leader, you have to transition that from it's about me to it's about them. So that's the big message. I mean, you can get all the way up to a VP level, a president of a division level. And I've seen people who do this where it's I'm successful. My organization is successful. I can be successful at all costs, but it's still about them. You don't truly make that leadership transition until you realize it's not about you. It's about them. It's about the organization. It's about your team. It's about how you can contribute to others being successful. And that piggies back onto one of the things that I say often is that as I transitioned into leadership, I was dropped into a head of quality. I was dropped into the head of operational excellence. I had to rebuild teams with people much smarter than myself. And I realized that I couldn't compete with them. I needed them. And my phrase is that the greatest tool in your technical toolbox are the people. <laughs> and how can you elevate the people? 
And so one other question that I have for you before we bring this to a close is we have a highly talented technical person. They're not yet a leader, but they're thinking about it someday. What can they start doing now to start positioning themselves to ultimately make that transition into leadership? Characteristics that you have to have in order to make the transition. And I'm just going to list them here. You have to be humble. You have to be a student, a life student, a life learner. You have to be a good listener. And you have to be flexible. If you have those characteristics to start with, or at least you're building those characteristics, you really then take the next step to become self-aware of who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weakness? And what is the authentic self? Who are you truly going to be as you grow into that leader? And for me, that was an up and down journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a continuum where you just go up, up, up. Every year is 10% better. No, sometimes I didn't do a good job. Sometimes I did a great job. And it goes up and down, but you're always learning from those experiences. And then when you finally get to being that self-aware leader, that authentic leader, you have to understand, again, it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about the organization. And you are here to serve. I try to open up every conversation I have with a direct report when we're meeting, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, is how can I help you? Even if I have a pressing issue that I need them to address for me, first you start out with how can I help you? And it's just a mindset thing for me because it allows me to get into a frame of reference where I am here to serve, to serve my team, to serve the greater organization and the needs of the business. You know, those were the greatest sound bites of this interview. So I definitely really treasure what you've said. It's not about you, it's about them. And then for the emerging leader, be humble, a life learner, a great listener, be flexible and be in a place to be highly aware and receive input and grow. So this has been a fantastic interview, Dave. I am grateful to know you. I am grateful that you are a leader of people and you will continue to leave a lasting impact. Are there any last closing thoughts or anything that you'd like to share? How best can people connect with you because they're going to want to get to know Dave and maybe work with you? <laughs> well, yeah, right now, first of all, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up Dave Tanucci. I'm on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get in touch with me. But I do want to leave you with two thoughts. One's an interesting one. Someone that I knew had the pleasure of meeting President Bill Clinton years ago. And you would think someone who is the president of the United States has a lot on his mind. But this, this person conveyed to me an interesting characteristic. He said when he met with Bill Clinton, President Clinton made him feel like he was the only person in the world. At that moment in time, there was nothing else important to the president than that individual. Now think about that. If the president of the United States can do that one-on-one -on -one with people, we all can learn from that. That's how important the relationship and communication is in the moment. The second thing is just sort of a thought, and this is not one that I 
made. I don't recall where I got it from. But it goes like this. The outcome of great leadership is getting people to willingly do those things that they would not be willing to do on their own. The key here is the willingness to comply. Because anyone can be coerced to comply. Anyone can be forced to comply. But true leadership is the ability to get people to follow you willingly. I always think of that, you know, the war movie where there's that lieutenant out there, there's that guy out there, whatever he's doing, and people look at him and say, I would follow this guy to hell and back. Why? Why would they do that? Not because he's a great tactician, not because he's a marksman, because he's a leader. And that's what authentic leadership is, at least from my perspective. So Dave, this has been an amazing interview. I'm grateful to know you. I am so excited to bring this conversation because these conversations are meant to inspire. Inspiration is about helping people to think and have that awareness and do and follow those that inspire them. So thank you for an amazing interview. And I wish you continued success, Dave. Well, thank you very much, Deb. This has been an absolute pleasure. Much appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.